0: I imagine some of us are feeling like our toes have been stepped on a bit as we've been working through this list of common sins. I've called it respectable sins, but maybe it would be better called overlooked sins, ignored sins by the people of God that Paul lists in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 20. Evidently, Paul. Writing by the Spirit of God intended for people to feel like their toes were being stepped on when he rendered this list because he made it clear that these are things that need to be dealt with before he arrives. He wrote this Corinthian epistle, among other things, to prepare for a personal visit to the church at Corinth. But he says, I'm going to delay my visit for a reasonable amount of time after you receive this epistle. So that you will have time to deal with these sins so they won't be active in your life and in your church when I come. And that way we'll have a joyful visit. But if I come and find you not behaving, not dealing with the sins in your lives, then we'll have a rather difficult and strained visit. So it's up to you, but deal with them because it's not just a matter of my coming. I will come because that's my responsibility to come as an apostle of Jesus Christ and a founder of this church. I need to come and to help you get mastery over these sins so that you can grow in grace and knowledge and become more effective for the Lord. But even if I weren't coming, you should be dealing with these sins because they're not sins against me your beloved apostle, they are sins against the Lord Christ, your beloved Redeemer. And so, get on with it and deal with these sins in your life. And so, we will continue working on this list on this Thursday, November 16, 2023. Thank you for joining me, and thank you for remembering our financial needs. Verse 20, 2 Corinthians twelve twenty. for I fear... Lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I wish, and that I shall be found by you such as you do not wish, lest there be, and here's the things that will make all the difference in the world. If you deal with these things, then when I come, I will find you as I wish, and you will find me in the frame of mind that you would wish. But if you don't deal with these things, then I will find you not as I would wish, and you will (laughs) experience a side of me that you would rather not have, that you would not wish either. So what are they? They are contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, backbitings, whisperings, conceits, tumults. We've made our way through three on this list, and actually have dealt with number four, but I want to say a few more things about number four before moving on. But again, these are sins that many Christians don't consider all that important, not worth dealing with, but not God. So let's take God's side in this thing, and let's look at these matters in our own lives and deal with them. So contentions, get it out. Jealousies, rooted out. Outbursts of wrath? Stop it. Get control of that. Get control of your tongue. Selfish ambitions. That overlaps a bit with jealousies, but selfish ambitions. The desire to be in a particular place or position that you have not been granted by God, and your desire for being there is not really to honor the Lord. It is so that you yourself will be honored. It is not a godly ambition, it is a selfish ambition. How prevalent that is. And because it's in the heart, only God and you, if the Holy Spirit enables you, will understand the difference. Will will know that your ambition is more selfish than it is God-honoring. A lot of people have ambitions for positions, <laughs> And I'm thinking primarily about positions in the church, the local churches, the local church of which you are a member, the local church at Corinth of which these people were members, and no doubt there were some who had a strong desire to be this or that or the other. I have been pastoring for several decades now, and I've seen this work its way out in our church from time to time. God, thankfully, has helped us in every case where these things would have been destructive if they had been allowed to go on, but I have seen men who were determined that they were going to be recognized as an elder in our church, and yet their very determination and lack of humility and insistence and maneuvering and manipulating to make that happen is what made it very obvious that they had no business being in that office. They did not qualify. They should not be there. It would be wrong to place them there because they are not evidencing the kind of spiritual character that is needed to be in that position. And if allowed to be in that position, they probably will will bring great harm to the church and to the cause of Christ because their ambition is what? A selfish ambition. They want to be recognized. They think they should be recognized. They think they deserve to be recognized. They think they have the qualifications to be recognized. And they resent not that other people don't see it the same way. And they are determined one way or another to get in there and to find that position that they consider to be a position of honor where they can receive the esteem that... They think other people ought to give to them, and the recognition that they so earnestly crave, but it is not a godly ambition. It is a selfish ambition, and it happens with all kinds of offices. I'm not going to belabor this much past a couple more statements and then move on, but certainly it's not just in the office of elder or pastor. It's also, of course, sometimes in the office of deacon, though not if deacons are, are, are viewed in the correct way. When people understand that the office of deacon is primarily a servant, a serving office in a different way, everybody serves. I mean, elders serve, everybody serves in the body of Christ or is supposed to. But deacons are especially assigned service roles. That's what the very word deacon means it means a servant. And yet, in so many churches, the office of deacon has become something else, and when it is allowed to become something else, then it can become a matter of selfish ambition. When it is conducted the way that the Bible describes it, then it probably won't become a matter of selfish ambition because a person realizes that they have to work, (laughs) they have to serve, they have to sacrifice. They have to be willing to give time and attention and effort to this work of serving that is not a position of high esteem and honor, and certainly, certainly not, and here's the point, it is certainly not a position of ruling, not if it is being conducted according to the Bible. The office of deacon is not a ruling office. The office of deacon is a serving office. When it was instituted in Acts chapter 6, what was it instituted to do? To take care of the serving of the widow's tables. Now that's not a particularly high and lofty position, is it? And even though we probably don't have literally widow's tables today, though some churches may and some Some situations may require exactly that, a place to feed the poor, and somebody has to do it. Somebody has to be willing to cook the meals and serve the meals, and somebody has to be organizing all of this so that it works. And that's the kind of role that the deacons were first selected for in the New Testament, and it would seem apparent that that type of role is exactly what deacons are supposed to be involved in. If it's not literally serving food to to the widows, it nevertheless should be seen as an area of serving the church in other ways, and, and in a real sense, serving the pastors. Boy, some people have that upside down, but what, again, was it in Acts chapter 6? It was... The apostles who, in that early day, at at that stage of the church in Jerusalem, were serving as the elders, the pastors of the church at Jerusalem, and this problem arose of the contention between the Jewish widows and the Hellenistic widows, the Greek widows, that the Jewish widows were being favored in the daily distribution of the food that was going on. There was a a feeding operation for poor widows who were in need and not able to, to feed themselves. They needed help. And so this operation was inaugurated in the church, but it wasn't being handled properly. The distribution was not being made equally. The Jewish widows were apparently receiving greater portions, and maybe uh, better better menus, and who knows what. I mean, we're not really given all the details there, but we are told that a complaint arose from the Grecian widows, the Hellenistic widows, the the widows whose background, who, who had not been born and reared in Israel, But they had come to Jerusalem, probably on the day of Pentecost, when so many were saved and stayed behind. And they were there, and yet there was this class distinction, this this class uh, recognition that somehow the Jewish widows fit into a higher class, the ones that are Jewish all the way to the root, all the way to the birth. And they are worthy of greater honor and greater care and greater provision than those who were born out in the dispersion. Apparently, that's what was going on. That's what we see in Acts chapter 6. And the complaint came to the apostles, and they said what? They said, they called the congregation together, had a congregational meeting, and talked about this with the congregation. And they said, folks, this is a problem that needs to be addressed, and I'm, of course, paraphrasing greatly now. This is a problem that needs to be addressed, but if we do it, do what needs to be done here, and we accept it as our responsibility, for we, have, we are the bishops, we are the overseers of the church, and therefore it's our responsibility to make sure that this is being done correctly, but if we roll up our sleeves to get involved in this, which we are not above doing, but if we do that, it's going to be at the neglect of the ministry of God's Word and prayer, which is our special assignment that's given to us in a way that it's not given to others. And therefore, it's not suitable that we should leave the Word of God to serve tables. So look out from among you, find from among you, seven men who are spiritually minded men that we may appoint over this business and we will give ourselves continually to the Word of God in prayer. The deking <laughs> office is a serving office, not a ruling office. Let's get that straight so that we can move along in what God has ordained for his churches. Until tomorrow at the same time, this is Greg Barkman, Bible teacher on the Beacon broadcast, saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.